Section 9 of The Crowd by Gustave Le Bon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Oxenhandler. Book 2, Chapter 4. Limitations of the Variability of the Beliefs and Opinions of Crowds. 1. Fixed Beliefs. The invariability of certain general beliefs, they shape the course of a civilization, the difficulty of uprooting them, in what respect intolerance is a virtue in a people, the philosophic absurdity of a belief cannot interfere with its spreading. 2. The changeable opinions of crowds, the extreme mobility of opinions which do not arise from general beliefs, apparent variations of ideas and beliefs in less than a century, the real limits of these variations, the matters affected by the variation, the disappearance at present in progress of general beliefs and the extreme diffusion of the newspaper press have for result that opinions are nowadays more and more changeable. Why the opinions of crowds tend on the majority of subjects towards indifference? Governments now powerless to direct opinion as they formerly did. Opinions prevented today from being tyrannical on account of their exceeding divergency. 1. Fixed Beliefs a close parallel exists between the anatomical and psychological characteristics of living beings. In these anatomical characteristics certain invariable or slightly variable elements are met with, to change which the lapse is necessary of geological ages. Side by side with these fixed indestructible features are to be found others extremely changeable, which the art of the breeder or horticulturalist may easily modify and at times to such an extent as to conceal the fundamental characteristics from an observer at all inattentive. The same phenomenon is observed in the case of moral characteristics. Alongside the unalterable psychological elements of a race, mobile and changeable elements are to be encountered. For this reason, in studying the beliefs and opinions of a people, the presence is always detected of a fixed groundwork on which are engrafted opinions as changing as the surface sand on a rock. The opinions and beliefs of crowds may be divided, then, into two very distinct classes. On the one hand, we have great permanent beliefs, which endure for several centuries, and on which an entire civilization may rest. Such, for instance, in the past were feudalism, Christianity, and Protestantism, and such in our own time are the nationalist principle and contemporary democratic and social ideas. In the second place, there are the transitory, changing opinions, the outcome as a rule of general conceptions of which every age sees the birth and disappearance. Examples in point are the theories which would mold literature and the arts, those, for instance, which produced romanticism, naturalism, mysticism, etc. Opinions of this order are as superficial as a rule as fashion and as changeable. They may be compared to the ripples which ceaselessly arise and vanish on the surface of a deep lake. The great generalized beliefs are very restricted in number. Their rise and fall form the culminating points of the history of every historic race. They constitute the real framework of civilization. It is easy to imbue the mind of crowds with a passing opinion, but very difficult to implant therein a lasting belief. However, a belief of this latter description once established, it is equally difficult to uproot it. It is usually only to be changed at the cost of violent revolutions. Even revolutions can only avail when the belief has almost entirely lost its sway over men's minds. In that case, revolutions serve to finally sweep away what had already been almost cast aside. 
though the force of habit prevented its complete abandonment the beginning of a revolution is in reality the end of a belief the precise moment at which a great belief is doomed is easily recognizable it is the moment when its value begins to be called in question every general belief being little else than a fiction it can only survive on the condition that it be not subjected to examination but even when a belief is severely shaken the institutions to which it has given rise retain their strength and disappear but slowly finally when the belief has completely lost its force all that rested upon it is soon involved in ruin as yet a nation has never been able to change its beliefs without being condemned at the same time to transform all the elements of its civilization the nation continues this process of transformation until it has alighted on and accepted a new general belief until this juncture it is perforce in a state of anarchy general beliefs are the indispensable pillars of civilization they determine the trend of ideas they alone are capable of inspiring faith and creating a sense of duty nations have always been conscious of the utility of acquiring general beliefs and have instinctively understood that their disappearance would be the signal for their own decline in the case of the romans the fanatical cult of rome was the belief that made them masters of the world and when the belief had died out rome was doomed to die as for the barbarians who destroyed the roman civilization it was only when they had acquired certain commonly accepted beliefs that they attained a measure of cohesion and emerged from anarchy plainly it is not for nothing that nations have always displayed intolerance in the defence of their opinions this intolerance open as it is to criticism from the philosophic standpoint represents in the life of a people the most necessary of virtues it was to found or uphold general beliefs that so many victims were sent to the stake in the middle ages and that so many inventors and innovators have died in despair even if they have escaped martyrdom it is in defence too of such beliefs that the world has been so often the scene of the direst disorder and that so many millions of men have died on the battlefield and will yet die there there are great difficulties in the way of establishing a general belief but when it is definitely implanted its power is for a long time to come invincible and however false it be philosophically it imposes itself upon the most luminous intelligence have not the european peoples regarded as incontrovertible for more than fifteen centuries religious legends which closely examined are as barbarous footnote, barbarous philosophically speaking i mean in practice they have created an entirely new civilization and for fifteen centuries have given mankind a glimpse of those enchanted realms of generous dreams and of hope which he will know no more and a footnote as those of moloch the frightful absurdity of the legend of a god who revenges himself for the disobedience of one of his creatures by inflicting horrible tortures on his son remained unperceived during many centuries such potent geniuses as a galileo a newton and a leibnitz never supposed for an instant that the truth of such dogmas could be called in question nothing can be more typical than this fact of the hypnotizing effect of general beliefs but at the same time nothing can mark more decisively the humiliating limitations of our intelligence as soon as a new dogma is implanted in the mind of crowds it becomes the source of inspiration whence are evolved its institutions arts and mode of existence the sway it exerts over men's minds under these circumstances is absolute men of action have no thought beyond realizing the accepted belief legislators beyond applying it 
while philosophers artists and men of letters are solely preoccupied with its expression under various shapes from the fundamental belief transient accessory ideas may arise but they always bear the impress of the belief from which they have sprung the egyptian civilization the european civilization of the middle ages the mussulman civilization of the arabs are all the outcome of a small number of religious beliefs which have left their mark on the least important elements of these civilizations and allow of their immediate recognition thus it is that thanks to general beliefs the men of every age are enveloped in a network of traditions opinions and customs which render them all alike and from whose yoke they cannot extricate themselves men are guided in their conduct above all by their beliefs and by the customs that are the consequence of those beliefs these beliefs and customs regulate the smallest acts of our existence and the most independent spirit cannot escape their influence the tyranny exercised unconsciously on men's minds is the only real tyranny because it cannot be fought against tiberius genghis khan and napoleon were assuredly redoubtable tyrants but from the depth of their graves moses buddha jesus and mahomet have exerted on the human soul a far profounder despotism a conspiracy may overthrow a tyrant but what can it avail against a firmly established belief in its violent struggle with roman catholicism it is the french revolution that has been vanquished and this in spite of the fact that the sympathy of the crowd was apparently on its side and in spite of recourse to destructive measures as pitiless as those of the inquisition the only real tyrants that humanity has known have always been the memories of its dead or the illusions it has forged itself the philosophic absurdity that often marks general beliefs has never been an obstacle to their triumph indeed the triumph of such beliefs would seem impossible unless on the condition that they offer some mysterious absurdity in consequence the evident weakness of the socialist beliefs of to-day will not prevent them triumphing among the masses their real inferiority to all religious beliefs is solely the result of this consideration that the ideal of happiness offered by the latter being realizable only in a future life it was beyond the power of anybody to contest it the socialist idea of happiness being intended to be realized on earth the vanity of its promises will at once appear as soon as the first efforts towards their realization are made and simultaneously the new belief will entirely lose its prestige its strength in consequence will only increase until the day when having triumphed its practical realization shall commence for this reason while the new religion exerts to begin with like all those that have preceded it a destructive influence it will be unable in the future to play a creative part two the changeable opinions of crowds above the substratum of fixed beliefs whose power we have just demonstrated is found an overlying growth of opinions ideas and thoughts which are incessantly springing up and dying out some of them exist but for a day and the more important scarcely outlive a generation we have already noted that the changes which supervene in opinions of this order are at times far more superficial than real and that they are always affected by racial considerations when examining for instance the political institutions of france we showed that parties to all appearance utterly distinct royalists radicals imperialists socialists etc have an ideal absolutely identical and that this ideal is solely dependent on the mental structure of the french race since a quite contrary ideal is found under analogous names among other races 
neither the name given to opinions nor deceptive adaptations alter the essence of things the men of the great revolution saturated with latin literature who their eyes fixed on the roman republic adopted its laws its fasces and its togas did not become romans because they were under the empire of a powerful historical suggestion the task of the philosopher is to investigate what it is which subsists of ancient beliefs beneath their apparent changes and to identify amid the moving flux of opinions the part determined by general beliefs and the genius of the race in the absence of this philosophic test it might be supposed that crowds change their political or religious beliefs frequently and at will all history whether political religious artistic or literary seems to prove that such is the case as an example let us take a very short period of french history merely that from seventeen ninety to eighteen twenty a period of thirty years duration that of a generation in the course of it we see the crowd at first monarchical become very revolutionary then very imperialist and again very monarchical in the matter of religion it gravitates in the same lapse of time from catholicism to atheism then towards deism and then returns to the most pronounced forms of catholicism these changes take place not only amongst the masses but also amongst those who direct them we observe with astonishment the prominent men of the convention the sworn enemies of kings men who would have neither gods nor masters become the humble servants of napoleon and afterwards under louis the eighteenth piously carry candles in religious processions numerous too are the changes in the opinions of the crowd in the course of the following seventy years the quote, perfidious albion unquote, of the opening of the century is the ally of france under napoleon's heir russia twice invaded by france which looked on with satisfaction at french reverses becomes its friend in literature art and philosophy the successive evolutions of opinion are more rapid still romanticism naturalism mysticism etc spring up and die out in turn the artist and the writer applauded yesterday are treated on the morrow with profound contempt when however we analyze all these changes in appearance so far reaching what do we find all those that are in opposition with the general beliefs and sentiments of the race are of transient duration and the diverted stream soon resumes its course the opinions which are not linked to any general belief or sentiment of the race and which in consequence cannot possess stability are at the mercy of every chance or if the expression be preferred of every change in these surrounding circumstances formed by suggestion and contagion they are always momentary they crop up and disappear as rapidly on occasion as the sand-hills formed by the wind on the sea-coast at the present day the changeable opinions of crowds are greater in number than they ever were and for three different reasons the first is that as the old beliefs are losing their influence to a greater and greater extent they are ceasing to shape the ephemeral opinions of the moment as they did in the past the weakening of general beliefs clears the ground for a crop of haphazard opinions without a past or a future the second reason is that the power of crowds being on the increase and this power being less and less counterbalanced the extreme mobility of ideas which we have seen to be a peculiarity of crowds can manifest itself without let or hindrance 
Finally, the third reason is the recent development of the newspaper press, by whose agency the most contrary opinions are being continually brought before the attention of crowds. The suggestions that might result from each individual opinion are soon destroyed by suggestions of an opposite character. The consequence is that no opinion succeeds in becoming widespread, and that the existence of all of them is ephemeral. An opinion nowadays dies out before it has found a sufficiently wide acceptance to become general. A phenomenon quite new in the world's history and most characteristic of the present age has resulted from these different causes. I allude to the powerlessness of governments to direct opinion. In the past, and in no very distant past, the action of governments and the influence of a few writers and a very small number of newspapers constituted the real reflectors of public opinion. Today the writers have lost all influence, and the newspapers only reflect opinion. As for statesmen, far from directing opinion, their only endeavor is to follow it. They have a dread of opinion, which amounts at times to terror, and causes them to adopt an utterly unstable line of conduct. The opinion of crowds tends, then, more and more to become the supreme guiding principle in politics. It goes so far today as to force on alliances, as has been seen recently in the case of the Franco-Russian alliance, which is solely the outcome of a popular movement. A curious symptom of the present time is to observe popes, kings, and emperors consent to be interviewed as a means of submitting their views on a given subject to the judgment of crowds. Formerly, it might have been correct to say that politics were not a matter of sentiment. Can the same be said today, when politics are more and more swayed by the impulse of changeable crowds, who are uninfluenced by reason and can only be guided by sentiment? As to the press which formerly directed opinion, it has had, like governments, to humble itself before the power of crowds. It yields, no doubt, a considerable influence, but only because it is exclusively the reflection of the opinions of crowds and of their incessant variations. Become a mere agency for the supply of information, the press has renounced all endeavor to enforce an idea or a doctrine. It follows all the changes of public thought, obliged to do so by the necessities of competition under pain of losing its readers. The old state and influential organs of the past, such as the Constitutionnel, the Debats, or the Siècle, which were accepted as oracles by the preceding generation, have disappeared or have become typical modern papers, in which a maximum of news is sandwiched in between light articles, society gossip, and financial puffs. There can be no question today of a paper rich enough to allow its contributors to air their personal opinions, and such opinions would be of slight weight with readers who only ask to be kept informed or to be amused, and who suspect every affirmation of being prompted by motives of speculation. Even the critics have ceased to be able to assure the success of a book or a play. They are capable of doing harm, but not of doing a service. The papers are so conscious of the uselessness of everything, in the shape of criticism or personal opinion, that they have reached the point of suppressing literary criticism, confining themselves to citing the title of a book, and appending a, quote, puff, unquote, of two or three lines. Footnote. These remarks refer to the French newspaper press. Note of the translator. End of footnote. In twenty years' time, the same fate will probably have overtaken theatrical criticism. The close watching of the course of opinion has become today the principal preoccupation of the press and of governments. The effect produced by an event, a legislative proposal, a speech, is without intermission what they require to know, and the task is not easy, for nothing is more mobile and changeable than the thought of crowds, 
and nothing more frequent than to see them execrate today what they applauded yesterday the total absence of any sort of direction of opinion and at the same time the destruction of general beliefs have had for final results an extreme divergency of convictions of every order and a growing indifference on the part of crowds to everything that does not plainly touch their immediate interests questions of doctrine such as socialism only recruit champions boasting genuine convictions among the quite illiterate classes among the workers in mines and factories for instance members of the lower middle class and working men possessing some degree of instruction have either become utterly sceptical or extremely unstable in their opinions the evolution which has been effected in this direction in the last twenty-five years is striking during the preceding period comparatively near us though it is opinion still had a certain general trend they had their origin in the acceptance of some fundamental belief by the mere fact that an individual was a monarchist he possessed inevitably certain clearly defined ideas in history as well as in science while by the mere fact that he was a republican his ideas were quite contrary a monarchist was well aware that men are not descended from monkeys and a republican was not less well aware that such is in truth their descent it was the duty of the monarchist to speak with horror and of the republican to speak with veneration of the great revolution there were certain names such as those of robespierre and marat that had to be uttered with an air of religious devotion and other names such as those of caesar augustus or napoleon that ought never to be mentioned unaccompanied by a torrent of invective even in the french sorbonne this ingenious fashion of conceiving history was general footnote there are pages in the books of the french official professors of history that are very curious from this point of view they prove too how little the critical spirit is developed by the system of university education in vogue in france i cite as an example the following extracts from the quote, french revolution unquote, of m rambaud professor of history at the sorbonne quote, the taking of the bastille was a culminating event in the history not only of france but of all europe and inaugurated a new epoch in the history of the world exclamation mark unquote. with respect to robespierre we learn with stupefaction that quote, his dictatorship was based more especially on opinion persuasion and moral authority it was a sort of pontificate in the hands of a virtuous man exclamation mark unquote pages ninety one and two twenty end of footnote at the present day as the result of discussion and analysis all opinions are losing their prestige their distinctive features are rapidly worn away and few survive capable of arousing our enthusiasm the man of modern times is more and more a prey to indifference the general wearing away of opinions should not be too greatly deplored that it is a symptom of decadence in the life of a people cannot be contested it is certain that men of immense of almost supernatural insight that apostles leaders of crowds men in a word of genuine and strong convictions exert a far greater force than men who deny who criticize or who are indifferent but it must not be forgotten that given the power possessed at present by crowds were a single opinion to acquire sufficient prestige to enforce its general acceptance it would soon be endowed with so tyrannical a strength that everything would have to bend before it and the era of free discussion would be closed for a long time crowds are occasionally easy-going masters as were heliogabalus and tiberius but they are also violently capricious 
a civilization when the moment has come for crowds to acquire a high hand over it is at the mercy of too many chances to endure for long could anything postpone for a while the hour of its ruin it would be precisely the extreme instability of the opinions of crowds and their growing indifference with respect to all general beliefs End of section nine.